In today's show, we're going to recap the action from Sunday in the NBA and, of course, the news about LaMelo Ball's wrist injury. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Big news, LaMelo Ball looks like his season is over. Earlier in the day, he was listed as probable with wrist soreness. Shams comes out and say, yeah, they're fearing he has a broken bone in his wrist. Uh, the Hornets then come out and say, yeah, he does. He actually does have a broken bone in his wrist. He's out indefinitely. Then Woj just comes in, bodies everyone, says, ah, I reckon his season's done. But he is getting a second opinion on that wrist. Um, two months to go, a bit less than two months to go before the end of the regular season. A wrist injury is normally six to eight weeks. Uh, that would make complete sense. Um, let's see what happens. Don't drop him. Just yet, let's wait to get an update in the next day or two on that wrist injury, but it's going to be long-term. It, it, it's going to be, it, it surely is going to, now it's not on his ball handling um, Giggity. side, it's on his left, obviously he's ambidextrous, but he's right-handed in general, but you can't play with a broken wrist like that, so ball is going to miss a bunch of time. This means, of course, you add Devontae Graham. Like that, that's the simple one. If you miss out on Devontae Graham, Malik Monk's the next guy in line, and then Miles Bridges gets somewhat of a bump. It's going to help the value of PJ Washington, Gordon Haywood, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, because they all just get more usage, because the guy who probably jumps into the rotation is going to be like Caleb Martin, or more minutes to Cody Martin, with more minutes going to Monk. But I would prioritize it Graham and Monk. Um, I don't think Bridges, a lot of people are saying, oh, Bridges is going to be this huge ad. I don't think it changes all that much for Bridges, to be honest. It's more going to be Graham as the clear one. Of course, RIP in pieces, your field goal percentage, but he is going to be the clear beneficiary there in that scenario. And um, yeah, once once we get more, more word on that, we'll be able to tell whether he's a drop. It is obviously uh, looking that way at, at this point, but I wouldn't want to just let go of a LaMelo ball just in case something um, just in case something weird does happen and, uh, and he is able to come back in three or four weeks. That would be pretty remarkable to me. But at this point, it looks like LaMelo ball's season is over. Now, I'd have to think about this and look at how things run at the end of the season, but I probably still would pick him for Rookie of the Year. He's played 41 games. That's over half the games this season. And to me, the gap between him and Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Edwards and Emmanuel Quickly is large enough that those 41 games would be enough, but I'd like to see what happens towards the end of this season here to see before I make that decision. But at this point, I wouldn't have a problem if he was voted Rookie of the Year. Plenty of you will disagree because you just really value games played over everything else, like you know, Jar Moran over Zion Williamson, like Malcolm Brogdon over Joel Embiid. That seems to be the prevailing thought. I am not as much in that camp, um, especially when you've played over 50% of the games. So I would be, I think I would be okay with the Mallow, and, and it will probably be my pick. But again, I'll revisit that at the end of the season. 
Let's now move in to talk about the games on Sunday. Weird one with a lot of really early games. So let's look at the first one of those. The Indiana Pacers beat the Miami Heat in overtime, 109-106. Miles turn only 30 minutes, which is frustrating. 16-6 and six with five blocks is excellent. Now, I, I would love to see Miles Turner play 34 minutes a night. He's the 22nd ranked player this year already in 31 minutes. He could be top 15 in more minutes. It just doesn't feel like it's going to happen, but he's always a name that I'm on the lookout for to see if a trade happens. I don't think they'll trade him this year, but... They don't seem as committed to Miles Turner as what they perhaps should. 42 minutes from Justin Holiday. That's a lot. 15 points, five threes, two steals, two blocks. Really good production. Um, He's, what, the 123rd ranked player over the last two weeks in still pretty decent minutes. He's fine for 12-team leagues. I just don't think his upside's that high. Well, Sabonis had 17 and 11. And how about Timothy John McConnell? 31 minutes for McConnell. 12, 5, and 7. Basically saying to Jeremy Lamb and Edmund Sumner, like, you're nothing. Like, you're garbage and you're not part of the rotation with McConnell getting all those minutes. Now, I talked about this on the waiver wire show. I'll throw it in here as well. My projections for McConnell were based on, you know, I thought, that Karis LeVert will play point guard in the second unit a lot. We get McConnell going back to literally the role he's played every single year in his career. Even this year before the Warren injury, he was playing like 22 minutes a night, 21 minutes a night. And those first two games when LeVert came back, or first three games, whatever it was, he didn't do anything. He didn't have the ball in his hands. He wasn't getting assists. His minutes were well down. I thought, okay, that's marrying up to how I thought the projections would go. Therefore, he, you, know, you can drop him because that production's not there. And then the last two games, they've reversed course. and said, no, he's got to play starters minutes. I don't really 100% know why, but they're good numbers. If he's playing 30 minutes a night, he's a must-roster player, and that's the way it's going at the moment. So, yeah, look, that was a mistake to say that it was a drop, but you know, basing it on my thoughts and the early evidence that backed up my thoughts, that's the that's the direction I went. Brogdon have 12, 6, and 10 on 24% shooting. That would, that's shithouse. And Levert also shithouse. 28% for 13 points in 35 minutes. Now, we know Levert is a guy who historically has been a really bad shooter and can hurt you in uh, field goal percentage and can hurt you in free throw percentage. We've seen that multiple times. Uh, as for Jeremy Lamb, I think that boat sailed uh, a long time ago. He's a clear drop. Four points in 11 minutes on 14% shooting. For the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler hasn't maintained the number one ranked spot Surprisingly, 21-15-7, no steals, no blocks, no threes. Field goal percentage down. That's still really good, but not at that level he was before. While well, 29-10 with three blocks for Bam is awesome. And the Spur, Dunk Robinson, played 40 minutes, had 13-5-5. Five and five, And that's a great game from Robinson. The problem is we don't get five rebounds and five assists and a block from him all that often. He is a three-point specialist who's not a top 150 player this year, yet he still remains rostered in far too many leagues. Kendrick, none. Get that garbage out! 9 points in 23 minutes without Goran Dragic and without Avery Bradley. While Kelly Olenek, he struggled big time. 7 points on just 11 shots. I'm more encouraged by the fact that he played 28 minutes here rather than shooting 27%. So I think he might be a soft hold. Um, I'm not convinced on that, but I think he's a soft hold. While Tyler Hero was also pretty trash. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Yeah. 11 points in 36 minutes with five rebounds and four assists on 25% shooting. He is struggling. He's not a 10-team league must-roster player. I think you do want him in 12s, but I'm not convinced. While Trevor Ariza, minutes bumping up, 19 minutes, five and four, two blocks and a steal. I think he could become a 12-team streamer for steals, but I wouldn't be banking on him to be a must-roster player in that sort of scenario just at this point. All right, if you're like me and you're old and your body falls apart, and you go to do some exercise, it feels like crap. Don't let that stress, don't let that pain stop you from getting into better shape. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, who apparently, according to these uh, people writing this, I'm not an elite athlete, fair enough, 
I'm just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. It is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Whether you want to treat your muscle muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds and thousands of customers and me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. All right, let us go on to the second game of the day. Uh, another early one here. We've got the Oklahoma City Thunder beating the Houston Rockets. And yeah, obviously, pretty rough to see that press conference um, from Stephen Silas afterwards. He look the guy finally gets an opportunity to be a head coach and just walks into an absolute shit show. James Harden situation, um, John Wall and Russell Westbrook trade going on, PJ Tucker wanting out, everyone getting injured, the team being terrible, the uh, the owner being horrendous, uh, new GM, just everything not going well, and he looks uh, absolutely broken, which is not great to see. The Thunder, who were without Shea Gildas-Alexander, Darius Baisley, Al Horford, George Hill, they beat the Rockets, 114-112. The Rockets haven't won in months. The Thunder... Isaiah Roby played 34 minutes, had 18 and 8 with a block. We know that this guy has put up really good numbers this year whenever he's had those opportunities. And when players like Horford sit, he puts up good numbers. He's fine if you want to have him in a 12-team league. I'm not as convinced on him on his per-game numbers and his, uh, his or per-minute numbers compared to someone like a Moses Brown, but there's going to be so many opportunities for him that he is a good add. Alexei Pokusevsky only played 29 minutes with Baisley out, but had nine and nine with two steals and two threes. Just can't shoot at all at the moment, and that's part of the problem. But the opportunities are good. The rebounds are good. The defensive stats are pretty good. Like We're just building up to a pretty good fantasy player who's more of a streamer at this stage. Moses Brown played 28 minutes in place of Al Horford. 13 and 14 is pretty strong. 63% is really good. Didn't get a block. The free throws are rough, and that's going to be the problem with him. I still think he can be a 21-minute-a-night guy, even on nights that Horford does play, and that maintains to me him being a 12-team league guy. It is back-end, but I think the opportunities will rise as the season goes on. While the Oklahoma City mudflap, Kenrich Williams had 7-6-4, and four, and Sfima Kaluk had 15-4-3 and three in his 21 minutes. Where he fits when Gildas Alexander, Baisley, Hill, and all those guys return remains to be seen. And the salt flake, Theo Maladon. 32 minutes for Theo. Sorry, Teo, 12 points, two threes, three steals. Yeah, that's nice. The steals are nice. The threes are nice. Yeah, we gave him an opportunity as the starter to be a strong or be a 12-team league ad. You added him. You saw what happened. It didn't work out. You move on. And you can stream him through. That's totally fine if you want to do that, but he's not a must-roster player. For the Rockets, Victor Oladipo played 41 minutes. He had 23 points, five rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block, and shot really well. He is... 
playing well these last couple of games. The minutes are through the roof. The trade deadline is like four or five days away here. Who knows what's going to happen with Oladipo. At this point, you just hold, and then you just see where it goes from there. Uh, not ideal that he's going to be sitting out again on Monday, but good numbers. Well, Christian Wood, who was on a minutes restriction, allegedly played 36 minutes, had 27 and 8 with two blocks and two threes. He's going to have some absolute monsters down the stretch here. Well, Daniel House. 18 and 8 with three threes in those 33 minutes. Now, we shot 78% from the field, which is not a realistic number to continue with. I think he's more of a 14-team league guy than a must-roster 12-er. Well, Johnny Wall played 35 and had 24, 2 and 7 with three steals. Great numbers. The shooting, not so much. 39 from the field. But the worry, of course, with Wall is injuries. His knee, having surgery, not making it through the end of the season, which feels like a distinct possibility. If you can get any sort of top 80-ish guy back for John Wall in a trade, I would do that, even if you have to lose out short term. The wild thing, Jay Sean Tate played 33 minutes and had 8 and 9. Let's talk about Kenyon Martin Jr. Only 14 minutes and had one rebound. Look, I think it was a worthwhile add in a 12-team league to see what happened, and it's a worthwhile drop now, and value maybe returns for him later on. I'm not dropping Kevin Porter, but... For all of the people who want to attack me about Kevin Porter and my thoughts on him, this is what I was worried about, right? When these guys play, what the hell does he do? And the answer is nothing. Four points in 20 minutes with five assists. Now, the five assists are still really good, but I know it's not about this for the rest of the season. Oladipo might get traded. Wall might have surgery. Like, all these things might happen, but if they don't, then there's nothing here from Kevin Porter. Like this is, they're just not going to be prioritizing with big minutes. And everything that happened um, with Porter was like, he came in, played his first game. Everyone was out for this period of time and he put up these huge numbers. And that's what I was saying. See if you can ride that hype train, get this big, big return back into trade and see where, where you go. Now you don't drop him after this because again, Wall probably isn't going to make it through the end of the season. Oladipo might be moved and all those things work out. And let's see what happens tomorrow where he has to play with John Wall and no Victor Oladipo. We've seen him play with Oladipo and no Wall, but we want to see what he looks like with Wall. Do they start him there or do they put Sterling Brown in and they run him as a backup playing 25 minutes off the bench? There's still question marks that need to be answered about Kevin Porter. I know that apparently he's related to every single person who listens and watches to this show so they want to defend him with their life and to the death. But yeah, there, he's not an established player. There are inconsistency issues with him, and the role was this was this was the fear that I had. Now he is a hundred percent a hold, a hundred percent a must roster player because we know that there are other factors in play here. But I'm just I just wanted to highlight this is why I had some concerns about how it all looked when everyone was there. And again, it didn't look very good. I think we can all be pretty clear on that one. Although I'm sure people are going to hate that uh, assessment and have issues with it. Next game. The Pelicans beat the Nuggets 113-108. Really good stuff from the Pelicans here. Ingram was fantastic. 30 and 6 with 8 assists. Zion had 30 and 6 with a triple one. 69 from the field. Oh, where's my button? Giggity. 79 from the line. Big stuff from Zion Williamson. Well, with Lonzo Ball out, no, he's not getting traded because of that. He might get traded, but he's not getting traded because he sat out this game. Nikhil Alexander-Walker started, played 31 minutes, had 20 points. The steal on two blocks is really nice, but we know Alexander-Walker struggles in terms of getting peripherals like rebounds and assists. He had one assist. Um, He needs volume. He needs minutes. Maybe the minutes are coming. I have no problem with adding Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's already a top 120 player over the last two weeks, getting 20 minutes a night, because if something opens up and he plays 30, the scoring alone is going to be worth it. Just think what RJ Barrett does, bringing you that scoring with little else, although Barrett's better in the rebounds assists. Alexander-Walker's probably a little bit better in the percentages. But he's going to take a ton of shots, and he can be useful. He is a worthy add. 
Joshy Hart had 12 and 9 with 6 assists in 29 minutes. He's solid in 14 team leagues and fine in 12s. Well, Steve Adams played a ton. 36 minutes for Steve Adams. We don't really see him get those many uh, or that many minutes all that often. Um, and yeah, he was all right, I guess. 13 rebounds, one steal, two blocks. I'm still not convinced that he's a must-roster player. He's back inside the top 130 over the last two weeks, but that, that that's yeah, more streaming than anything for me. Well, Eric Bledsoe. God, what are we doing? Get that garbage out of here! I know a lot of you have dropped him already, so that's good. 6-2-2 two, and two in 31 minutes, while Kyra Lewis struggled. I still believe in Kyra quite a bit, but only the 17 minutes is not ideal for him there. For the Nuggets, Big Chungus Nikola Jokic. a steal and a block. He remains the number one player this year. 57 fantasy points here while the headmaster, Jamal Murray, had 23-3-7. Big assist numbers for Murray and also for Farton Will Barton, who had 16-3-6 and and two steals. Barton, I was so worried about Barton at the start of the year. Man, why is he still out with this knee injury that kept him out of all of the bubble? What the hell is going on? And now he looks absolutely trash when he's playing. Well, now he's fine. He's looking really good. He's a top 80 player over the last two weeks. Yes, there's no Harris. There's no Morris. And that might have an impact on Barton, but he's a 12-team must roster. Well, Maga Porter Jr. had 17-9, which is totally fine. And I believe he will continue to start at power forward. Millsap played 30 minutes, had six points and two steals. He just isn't anywhere near a fantasy option. While Faku Kompazzo, who'd been a really nice assist and steal streamer, only had two assists and one steal here and played 20 minutes. And what his role is when guys like Harris and Morris eventually do return um, is still up in the air. Still a bit of a question mark for us there. Guys, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Their tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable and they are made in the USA and prepare and ship direct so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout and just pay $5 shipping. That's it. BlueChew.com, the promo code is locked on to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. I've been telling you about the best tasting protein bars ever, Built Bar, for a while. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now it's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. They are running Built Bar Madness over at BuiltBar.com. So head across there, check out today's matchup, or go to their Twitter account at bar underscore built and cast your vote for your favorite flavored Built Bar. Remember, when you're ordering these delicious-tasting protein bars, go and use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, now we go on to the next game here. We're looking at the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics. Big win for the uh, for the Celtics here, 112-96 after some of their recent struggles. Nikola Vucevic. It's Vucevic. Vucevic. 37 minutes for Vooch, 22 and 13 with three threes. We're just 
just chugging along, continues to play excellently. Well, James Ennis returned and went bananas. 18 points on 83% in 21 minutes off the bench. I'd have to think that he comes in and starts over El Farouk Aminu, although Steve Clifford does have some concerning rotations at time. As for the Chief... Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Really just like a Derek Jones type, a steals and block streamer, two steals and one block. And I just 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 play Trimmer Akiki. I don't know what the hassle is here. Akiki had 20 minutes, five points, two assists, one steal, one block. He can be a deeper league fantasy helper when he gets more of those minutes. Aaron Gordon, atrocious shooting. 12, 6, and 5 on 23% and 67 from the line is horrible. But the five assists remain really intriguing, and he should be rostered in all leagues. While uh, Chase and Randall only played seven minutes with Michael Carter-Williams back. Carter-Williams had seven, two, and four. He had two blocks. He shot 60%. Of course, he was bad at his free throws. One of two there. So... Some pretty interesting, um, some pretty interesting numbers. He can be a twelve-team league guy, MCW, but obviously not spectacularly good. While Evan Fournier, thirty-five minutes, sixteen points, two threes, and two steals on thirty-two percent shooting. He's just coming in. He's jacking up shots. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's a must-roster player for now. But you're just sort of worrying about when it's all going to go pear-shaped. For the Celtics, Kemba Walker, thirty-two minutes, fourteen, five, and four. While Jalen Brown was really good. JB, you've done it again. He hit. 10 threes. He had 34 points with four rebounds and shot 50%. So good to see the field goal percentage jump back up. Interestingly, didn't take a single free throw, but a good night nonetheless. While Tatum had 23 and four in only 29 minutes. But I guess the big consternation here is what the hell is going on at center? 32 minutes for Daniel Tice. 13 and 11 with a triple one. Like undoubtedly good numbers. He was a plus 27, a team best. Undoubtedly really good. But it's frustrating for Rob Williams, who again, Rob Williams is one of those guys who racks up stats, but at times he's lost lost his shit on the court, and he creates a lot of issues in terms of mistakes. And that's part of the reason why people are, man, why is Ty starting? Williams should start and play 30 every night. But the thing is, at times, he's not a good basketball player. He's excellent for fantasy, one of the best permanent fantasy players there is. And it's frustrating to see him get 14 minutes. Now, over the last two weeks, he's the 25th ranked player in only 20 minutes a night. So he's a clear must-roster guy. But the Thompson return is going to uh, confuse things. It's going to be one of these games where he plays shit and he gets his minutes limited. He doesn't have the equity to continue to play big minutes, even on days where he struggles. So 4-7 and seven for Rob Williams with a block. He's a must-hold. I'm not adding Tyus necessarily, but that's obviously a pretty strong performance. While Smart had 11-3-8 in 33 minutes and remains, if you aren't aware, a must-roster player. Let us move on now to the next game. It is the Washington Wizards and the Brooklyn Nets. The Wizards get the loss. Don't know why I phrase it that way. The Nets win 113-106. Westbrook, another triple-double. 29-13-13. and Andy hit his free throws. That's unbelievable if you can keep doing that. Uh, big game from Raswa. Alex Len. Oh, man, really? Alex Len? No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. 20 points in 29 minutes. Nine rebounds. Two blocks. Do I trust Scott Brooks? The answer to that should obviously be no. But that's really good. Now, I think we have to put in there that the centers against the Nets do play well. Is he worth a flyer? Sure. Like 20 and 9 with two blocks. That's excellent production. But I I have a lot of doubts. <laughs> a lot of them. Rui Hachimura played 40 minutes. They are just pumping him full of minutes. It is ridiculous. He had 20 and 10. And in true Rui Hachimura style, he had zero threes. Sorry, he had zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks. And he attempted zero free throws. He shot 82% from the field. So there is a lot of flukiness about this game from Hachimura. He is a points league must roster player. He's putting up nice category numbers, but we know that the only reason to me that he is that category league guy is because he's playing 40 minutes a night, basically, and just bludgeoning us with volume. Bill had 17 points with five assists, while Gary Matthews, six points and two threes, but played 30 minutes, while Troy Brown can't get in the rotation. Denny Avdia, 
uh, 11 minutes as Scott Brooks's rotations continue to feel like a needle piercing through your glands penis. On to the Brooklyn Nets. Jim Harden copped a bit of a whack in the head. Um, was able to finish out the game, but let's want, let's move on to that. 26-5-8 with three steals and a block. He's actually really good. Like, imagine that. He's unbelievably good. Kyrie Irving, 28-7-6 with three steals. Also really good. But what's interesting here, Blake Griffin played. He played 15 minutes. He had two points. I think, again, if you are rostering Blake Griffin in 12-team leagues, don't move on from him. But the most encouraging thing to me is big Nick Claxton. 26 minutes, 16 points, three blocks, I could be wrong. Actually, you know what? I'm not wrong with this. He is a must-add player. Now, I'm not wrong on this because you have to add when a bloke is doing this. Now, it might not work out. I am not saying that he is guaranteed top 100 as we move forward. I am not saying that. I am saying that he is a guy you have to add. If he is getting 28 minutes with Jordan playing 17, with um, with Griffin playing 14, now Griffin's minutes will probably jump up. Obviously, there's no Durant still. And Jeff Green played 25. But Claxton is their best center, and it's not remotely close. And I have been saying this since before Claxton played a single game this season. I said, will Steve Nash have the balls to do it? He did it. Whether he starts or not, it doesn't matter. But you have to add Nick Claxton, and you have to see where it goes. I I think. Would I add him over a Moses Brown? <sighs> Probably. But I'm not convinced. Would I add him over Alexei Pokusevsky? Yes. Yes, pretty easily. Jordan had 12 points in 17 minutes, 100% shooting, so not bad, but he's just not good. Like the stats are fine, but he's just not a good player. And Claxton is clearly better. Jeff Green had three points in 25 minutes. Don't roster him in 12-team leagues. Well, Landry Shamet suffered what looked like a pretty dangerous or pretty nasty ankle injury. If he is out, that just means that you now Tyler Johnson and Bruce Brown are able to take his minutes. Oh, by the way, if you're still rostering Bruce Brown in 12-team leagues, I reckon you can uh, pretty comfortably move on from that one. Next up, we look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. They beat the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, guys, they are, um, they're in a little bit of trouble. They're, they're not playing particularly well at this point. Things are not looking great. And then you go down there and lose to the Cavs like that. I know it's a tough year for them playing in Tampa, dealing with all this COVID stuff. It's been rough for them, but yeah, they're not playing well. Van Vliet had 23.7 assists, two steals, two blocks, five triples. Great. Kyle Lowry, 18, 8, and 4. Great. 40 minutes for both those blokes. The Jedi, OG Ananobi. But what about Scarf? OG. Stop, OG. Uh, you better stop, OG. 17 points in 31 minutes with three steals and a block. An absolute guaranteed must roster player. Just, just be aware of that because some people don't believe that. Well, Pascal Siakam, only at 25 minutes. Not great from Pascal. Nine and three. He will be better. While Storm and Norman Powell... Um, yeah, this, is, this was my worry a little bit here. 18 points on 16 shots, two rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. But yeah, part of my issue with Powell has been yeah, the rebounds and assists are so low. He's shooting the absolute lights out. What happens when the usage drops and what happens when the efficiency falls off? We're still holding him. We're still rostering him clearly. But this is, it, it I guess, brings up my anxiety. And Chris Boucher, the wiki, like what? What? 13 minutes? Now, Nick Nurse is a really good coach. I think his handling of Boucher has been pretty questionable, but this is something that I warned about ad nauseum in the preseason. Nick Nurse does not like Chris Boucher. He does not think that he is a reliable player, and we are seeing this going on and on and on, and I even said that a couple of weeks ago. I said, look, with all these guys out, Boucher is getting a lot of minutes, but just wait for it to fall back down. Now, I didn't think it would fall back down to 13 minutes. Don't drop him, but there's going to be frustrations. There will remain frustrations throughout the rest of this season with Boucher. I can guarantee you that. For the Cavs, the Padawan, Colin Sexton, big numbers. 36 in 39 minutes with six triples and two steals. Got to the line six times, really efficient. While Isaac Okoro stuffed the stat sheet. Only eight points, 
but two threes, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block. Now, it doesn't do much to change the fact that he's outside the top 300 over the last two weeks, but he is playing at a, at a higher level. We're getting some occasional offensive flashes. We're getting some occasional assist games here. Um, he's a name to watch. Jarrett Allen, I'd say he's back on track, 17 and 15, 82 from the line impressively, which is great, while Larry Nance, eh, that's just, it's very, eh. 10 and 7, still a block. Must roster, of course, but not great. While Darius Garland, disappointing from the line, just 4 of 7. Um, but 50% from the field, 15, 5, and 6. He remains, again, to the consternation of plenty of people who listen and watch this show, he remains a must-roster player. And I don't, I don't really understand the argument against it, but some people don't seem to believe that that is the case. Which is your right to, of course. The next game, the Bulls and the Pistons. Um, 100, Chicago. The Pistons, 86. Sadoransky, only eight points, but nine assists, three steals, one block. I believe he's a 12-team must-roster guy. Well, Thad Young just keeps getting it done in low minutes. Only 21 minutes for Thad, but eight and eight with five assists and three steals. Unbelievable stuff. Wendell Carter Jr. copped a poke in the eye. He was able to return, but he wasn't doing much. I think the time is there to drop him. Uh, Dan Gafford played 14 minutes, had eight and 11 with two blocks, while Paddy Williams played a lot had 10 points and two blocks. Now, Williams didn't miss a single shot, but still only took five of them. Had the two blocks. He's more of a 14 to 16 team league player. Markinen was fine, but again, the problem with Larry Markinen is always the same. What the hell else are you doing? 16 and eight, that's fine. Hit three threes, but zero assists, zero steals, one free throw attempt, 40% from the field. A lot of his career high numbers to begin this season in terms of the shooting numbers, they have fallen off pretty considerably. While a lot of people were adding Otto Porter, I have no idea why. He had three points in 18 minutes and is clearly a guy that you would leave on the waiver wire in 12-team leagues. While Kobe White, 17 minutes. Holy shit. Seven points, four assists, and two steals. He's not good. He's not a, he's not a point guard, as I've said, ad nauseum. Uh, he can get better. He's still only young. But he's a clear uh, 12-team drop, in my opinion. For the Pistons, 29 minutes for Mason Plumley, 12 and 10, four steals, two blocks. Excellent for Plum. He played next to Isaiah Stewart. Stewart played at Powerford for apparently the first time in his career throughout college and high school too. 11 and 6, a steal, two blocks. Isaiah Stewart is a 12-team must-roster player. Dillon Wright, only 26 minutes. Now, I know that when Delon came back and then he played like a couple of games at 36 minutes, people were again, you know, oh, why is Josh saying that he's going to become a droppable guy or a sell-high guy? This is why. This is exactly why. Because we saw a situation where they liked what Dennis Smith was providing and we got 26 minutes out of Delon. Eight, three, and four. He's not a drop. Don't be surprised if he becomes one though. Yeah, don't be surprised. As for Smith, seven, four, and five, two steals and a block. And Smith has routinely done this in his time in Detroit. Be horrible with scoring and shooting, or didn't even really take any shots, but fill it up in other areas. He is absolutely a name to watch here, I think. Not an ad in 12s, and probably not even in 14s, but a name to watch. Jeremy Grant had a pretty empty 26 points. Um, Not much else in that box score. While Frank Jackson had 12 points in 31 minutes in the depressed penis. Remember how good his last two games were? He had three points on 11% Sadiq Bey. This is why he was that droppable player. He had those two games where he blew everything through the roof, and then we're back to shitfulness. So if you want to hold him in 12-team leagues, by all means, is he a must-roster? Probably not. I wouldn't, I, I've got no problem with holding him, no problem with having him, but he's not as good as those two games would indicate. He's also not an 11% shooter. And shout-out, speaking of shit-out shooting, shout-out to Josh Jackson, who went 8% for four points in 25 minutes. More suited to points leagues. Not a must-roster guy. There was no Hayes, no Diallo, no Allington, no Magruder. Diallo looks like he's going to be a little bit of time away as well, probably another week or so, but I think he's going to have a real impact on Josh Jackson. And uh, the difference between those two guys' games is not all that large, to to, to be honest, uh, in my opinion. 
All right, on to the next game. This is going to be the last game that we're going to do on today's show. Uh, not going to cover the last two games. I am going to write them up over at Basketball Monster, but uh, you just be aware I'm not, not recapping those last two games. The... Uh, the Lakers and the Suns and the Mavericks and the uh, and the Blazers. But let's talk about this one. Overtime game. The Sixers get the win in the end. 101-100, thanks to some uh, thick Hogsman uh, free throws down the down the end of the game. Dan Green. We're going to talk about Danny Green because he is top 50 player over the last two weeks. 11 points, three threes, five steals, three blocks. Now, most of his value comes in those triple one categories. But they still are really valuable and they're still categories that can be hard to find. And Green is producing at a really high level, and he is worth an add. Shake Milton, if you're looking for scoring, also worth an option with no Joel Embiid there. 21 points in 29 minutes with a triple one for Shake. While Dwight Howard, again, fits a specific need. He had rebounds, 13 of them, two blocks. Didn't attempt a free throw, so it didn't hurt you there, and played 32 minutes. The Thick Hogsman had 20 points, and it was a rough shooting night for Tobias Harris. 28% from the field in this one. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Um, but yeah, 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals is not bad. Simmons was all right, but definitely nothing spectacular. Korkmaz started over Matisse Thibel, 12 points for him, while Tony Bradley continues to start but didn't do much. It was Howard who gets the bulk of those minutes. For the New York Knicks, uh, Thibodeau would have been loving this. Got to play his players you know, 46 minutes a night. What, what more? This is what this bloke dreams of, is playing these guys these huge minutes. Alec Burks, 30 minutes. Now, we know that we there was no Derek Rose. There was no Alfred Payton. So there's extra minutes available. Burks, this is the sort of guy I thought you know, could have this sort of uh, opportunity this season. But I didn't expect Reggie Bullock to play 40 minutes a night every night. Burks had 20 and 6 with two threes, four assists, three steals, and one block. That's really good. And he, look, if you believe in that, those numbers, then more power to you. And he is absolutely worth the stream. I just find it hard to think that he'll be this good and play this many minutes when those other guys return. The double royal, Julius Randle. How about those five steals? Twenty-four and seven with four triples and five steals, including the one that sent it to overtime. Unfortunately, he shot just thirty percent, but big numbers there. While, of course, Mitchell Robinson was back, so Nerlens Noel played thirty-six minutes. Ah, uh, yeah, thirteen and ten with two steals and a block for Nerlens is great. Now, I have absolutely no idea what is going to happen with this rotation. Before the game, Thibodeau said that yeah, Robinson will eventually start, but remember, Noel was the starter to begin this season. Thirteen and ten with two steals and a block is great, but. Without Robinson, he was playing terribly at times. He was playing great at times and then terribly at other times. It is very, very hard to understand exactly how this is going to go. I think one thing that was encouraging, though, is Taj Gibson didn't play. So we didn't get Tom really leaning into heavy 2011 vibes. So that's encouraging there. If you've got Noel, I think you just have to hold through this. Of course, Robinson is a must-roster player. But there's a chance that he maybe he only is an 18-minute-a-night guy. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. I think we can move on from Emmanuel quickly. 10 points in 26 minutes, 31% shooting. His shooting has been horrendous for most of this season. Uh, He's not a high assist guy. In fact, he had exactly zero of them as the starting point guard. A high usage player who flashes more than he produces in fantasy basketball. And when Rose and Peyton are back, he's going to play like 14 minutes. It feels like anyway. So I think you can pretty comfortably move on from him. Seven trillion for Obi Toppin, which was still a better line than Mitch Robinson and Emmanuel quickly put up because of their poor shooting numbers. And Reggie Block, 47 minutes for Block. Six points with two triples and two steals and four assists. He is amazingly Block, a top 100 player over the last two weeks. And he's rostered almost nowhere. I think he's nothing more than a streamer, more than a you know 14-team league ad, but it is worth noting that he is putting up some really, really strong numbers at the moment. 
All right, so let's go on and have a look at the top ads and drops over the last 24 hours. TJ McConnell up 13% because of his last really strong games. Taylor Horton Tucker. Now, I would have loved to have done the recap of the Lakers game. And at this point, we're almost at halftime and Horton Tucker has 8-3 and three in 13 minutes. I still believe that he is a 12-team guy, despite the fact that they didn't start him. I didn't think they would start him, but they confused me and started bloody uh, Wes Matthews instead of him. Uh, with Markeith Morris at center. Uh, Horton Tucker is still an add to me there. Alec Burke's up 11%. That worked out pretty well. Worth a stream there. The Depressed Penis up 10%. Well, you'd be kicking yourself after today's performance. I still think he's fine to have at the end of your roster. And then Shake Milton up 8% with some uh, good numbers uh, in today's game as well. In terms of drops, Kenyon Martin down 15%. Totally fine. Gary Trent down 10%. Sure. Cody Zeller down 9%. Sure. DeAnthony Melton down 7 Now, he did play only 10 minutes across the weekend. And Taylor Jenkins has been known to be shit. But he did have three fouls in like four minutes to begin the game. That's still no excuse for playing only 10 minutes. I am not dropping DeAnthony Melton, a top 100 player in 20 minutes a game so far. Largely on the back of steals, but hitting threes, getting assists, blocking some shots. He has a well-rounded game, a Danny Green sort of game, but with assists as well. So I would still be holding while Paddy Mills down 6%. I'm surprised that that many people actually rostered Paddy Mills that he could be dropped in 6% of leagues. Let's now flick across and have a look at DFS for Monday's action across the league. All right, so let's go through these games for Monday. First one is Kings and Cavs. Really doubt that we're going to see Kevin Love here for Cleveland. Well, for Sacramento, we're going to have, of course, no Marvin Bagley. The Kings are favored by four, back-to-back for Cleveland. The total is 225 points. The second game is the Thunder and the Wolves. There was no Al Horford or no Shea Gildas-Alexander on Sunday. So Horford likely returns. Shea probably returns. Darius Baisley won't be there, but what does that mean in terms of rotations for Pokyshevsky, for Roby, for Brown, Horford, uh, McKay Luke even, who uh, chipped in with some numbers on Sunday. While the Wolves, the last time they played, they had Jaden McDaniel starting over Jared Vanderbilt. Still no Beasley, still no D'Angelo Russell, still no Jordan McLaughlin. Um, so big opportunity for Ricky Rubio there as well. The third game, the Hornets and the Spurs, of course, the news now with LaMelo Ball is not great. So that means that Devontae Graham is probably going to step into that starting line. So he gets a boost. Malik Monk gets a boost. Cody Zeller is out as well. So Bismack Biombo probably gets a start. That helps Miles Bridges. So, so much can change with this Hornets team. While for the Spurs, they were missing DeJounte Murray and Pat Mills in the last game. Both of those guys will return to action here. Still no LaMarcus Aldridge, of course. Raptors and Rockets back-to-back for both of these teams. Don't imagine the Raptors are going to be sitting anyone on the back-to-back. While for Houston, Victor Oladipo probably doesn't play. We don't know about John Wall. We don't know about Christian Wood. Back-to-backs as those guys both return from injury. Um, And what does that mean for where Kevin Porter sits? What does that mean for Kenyon Martin? What does that mean for um, Daniel House, Jay Sean Tate, Sterling Brown even? A lot to be decided with that Rockets rotation. Paces and Bucks. Indiana, they're injury-free. They've been playing a lot of TJ McConnell. Um, for the Bucks, no Yanni Antetokounmpo. He is doubtful with a knee sprain. So will Bob Porter start? Probably. Will they put PJ Tucker straight in there? I don't know. This And that helps you. Know, Middleton helps Holiday, helps DiVincenzo, helps all of those guys. The Jazz and the Bulls. Utah has Rudy Gobert listed as questionable. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. <laughs> 
He's dealing with a hip problem. If he is out, we're looking at Derek Favors there. Everyone else should be good to go. Same with Chicago, who's on a back-to-back. The Jazz are nine and a half point favorites here. The total is 231. And they've got Boston and Memphis. This is a back-to-back for the Celtics, so no Kemba Walker. I imagine Marcus Smart starts. And then who starts Whether uh, in the other spot? It's going to be either Tristan Thompson, if he's back from COVID protocols, or it probably will be Shemi Ojale that steps into that spot. So just keep an eye on that rotation. But a big boost for Tatum, for Jalen Brown, and for Marcus Smart with Kemba not being there. For the Grizzlies, who knows, man? Grayson Allen, Dylan Brooks, sure. Let's play our trash players. What will DeAnthony Melton do? What will Desmond Bain do? What will Kyle Anderson do? What will Brandon Clark do? Will Ja Morant be better than the 500th player in the league because he's been pretty poor of late? So a lot of question marks in that one. And then lastly, it's Atlanta and the Clippers. DeAndre Hunter, he looks like he's going to return or close to it. He's questionable in this game. Trey Young is probable. While the Clippers will be without Serge Barker and without Patrick Beverly. They're six and a half point favorites, LA. And the total is 224.5. On Fangio, if you look at some values at this point, you've got to love Bob Portis at 3700 Minimum salary, Malik Monk. 4300 salary, Devontae Graham. I like Levert at 56 I like Zubats at 45 I like Ananobi at 52 I like Middleton at 7000 Connaughton at 4000 McDaniels at th- Jaden McDaniels at 3600 That's the Minnesota one. 3700 for Marcus Morris, 5500 for Rick Rubio, 4300 for Alexei Pokyashevsky, 42 for uh, Thomas Sadoransky, and 5000 for Marcus Smart. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Give me a thumbs up, ring the bell, leave a comment down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.